0: Well good morning everybody, it's good to be here this morning and uh, glad to have my friend Brother John Carroll here today, Uh, I met him about 26-27 years ago at a prayer and fast conference and uh, the Lord did bless me with many things during that season of fast and prayer and ministry but the most significant thing the Lord blessed me with was my friend John Carroll couple of weeks after we left he called me and uh, we've been talking on the phone at least once a week for 27 years, 26 years so if you add, if you multiply 52 times 26 we've had a few conversations so of all the things that I appreciate about Brother Carol and I, there are many things I do appreciate about him but I do appreciate the fact that he He's fully committed to the Lord, and uh, I have watched him go through some difficult seasons and maintain his love for the Lord, and and have a spirit of forgiveness, and uh, uh, so I'm glad he's here today, and uh, I guess uh, that's my opening remarks. Uh, you're welcome to say something before we get started.
1: Well, I'm very uh, honored to be here, and I'm going to let you all know that this format for a Sunday school lesson, this is the first time I've ever done that. So you and me are experiencing this together for the first time. So I'm, I'm not real sure how my end of this is going to pan out, but we'll do our best to be a blessing.
0: Brother Carroll is a good, a good conversationalist, and uh, I'm pretty good at prompting good things to come out of him. He's a man of wisdom. I think the Bible says something. A man of understanding will draw the waters out, and he's he's old enough now. There's there's a lot of wisdom there. So, uh, brother Carol, <laughs> brother Carol, uh, I I sent him a little list of a few things I might mention, and we'll just kind of go where it leads. But if you were going to share, maybe one of the most significant experiences you had what as a as a as a younger person a younger adult uh, what what's one or two of those things that stands out to you or you feel prompted to, to share well of course i was raised
1: going to an apostolic church pretty regular my mother was not always uh, in the church and faithful but my grandmother was and one aunt and i went to church with my grandmother so i don't ever remember not knowing that there was a God and not believing that there was a God. And uh, I saw that demonstrated in the little church that we attended. We went to a little country church and we might not have had the greatest sound and programs and uh, facilities. In fact, until I was probably seven or eight years old, we had an outside uh, facility for, you know, the thing that people get up and run back and forth to. We didn't do a lot of that running back and forth because you had to go outside. And in hot weather, there was wasps that built nests in the facilities. And in cold weather, you can understand the inconvenience of, you know, all of that. So we didn't have the best of circumstances in a lot of ways, but I never doubted that there was a God. Because I can remember instances when I was just a little child. that Maybe it was during a, a time of prayer or, or the preaching of the Word when the power of God would be so tangible and so manifest. It would be hard for me to, uh, to zero in on only one time. But one of the first times that I remember such a dramatic Just, just the knowing that God was in the house. I remember I was a child, and Brother Gary Howard came to preach us a revival. And uh, he walked into a service one night, and there was a young lady there in the church that we all knew she was drifting and, and flirting with the world and right on the edge of really getting herself in trouble brother Howard of course knew nothing about anyone in service that night but he walked in and when he got up to preach he, he began to describe what the Lord had shown him and I still remember he preached on shipwreck and there was just I don't know if everybody in the building but I was a kid and I knew I mean I knew it was that girl I knew she was the one he was reaching for and he described her situation so accurately and there was such a feeling of conviction that gripped that house that it would have been undeniable to, I would have thought, anybody that was there uh, to have assumed that there was anything other than a divine, some divine information being shared, that God was in the house, that God was reaching, that the hand of God was concerned with that direct situation. And so I guess one of the very earliest times that I definitely remember seeing the manifest presence of God knowing what it was would have been that. Um, Didn't end well, sadly. But I remember that in the preaching, knew that that preacher had something. I knew that there was was a, a word from God coming forth and that he had information that he didn't get by natural means. And that wasn't, that wasn't all that uncommon in our little church, as it is not in yours too, I'm sure. But I can remember uh, times I just knew that the man of God had a had a direct line to heaven. It felt like, and was preaching to us. So it was it was anointed apostolic preaching was one of the first things that really really demonstrated to me the the fact that God was involved directly personally
0: yeah I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced that that uh, it's such a blessing for a child a young person to have those formative experiences that they never forget I know that I have some formative experiences that I remember as a small child and it revolved around a lot of it revolved around being in church and he, hearing the word and the, the, the worship and and how it affected my young heart and how I can still still see from my perspective my little feet not barely reaching the end of the pew. I still have memories of thinking one day my feet will touch the ground when I sit down. And I'm thankful that the Lord had someone that took me to church to have those formative experiences as a child.
1: Well, it's been my observation that
0: stay home parents don't raise go-to-church kids very often. Amen, amen. So, uh, I, I had something here that really kind of kind of lines up with that. You told me a story; I thought it was so good. And I don't think I, I don't think I remember you telling me it, it before. You may have told me; I just didn't remember. But you know, I, and I, I phrase it in this way: What's some of the best? advice or something the Lord gave you through someone that really helped you in your life, your ministry? Oh my goodness,
1: there would have been it would be hard to zero that in on one thing, but the one thing that probably sticks out about as much as anything is early on in my uh, endeavors to Fulfill the will of God in my life and follow the call of God in my life. I was going through a pretty difficult time, <clears throat> and God has been so kind over the years that, at the right time, He bring someone into my life and cross paths at just the right time that I needed it. Uh, it just seems like that that when the lesson needs to be taught, the teacher will show up. But I remember Wayne McLean. Some of you may know, remember Brother McClain. I can't, can hardly talk about him without getting emotional. He was such a great man of God. And uh, I remember, I was really going through it one time, and I got a chance to talk to Brother McClain. I don't remember the circumstances that surrounded him precisely. But I remember he gave me some advice that, I, that stuck in my head, and never in my heart, more importantly. He put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Son, let me give you some good advice. He said, Gather the manna every day. Gather the manna every day. In other words, pray. Touch God. Touch the Word of God. Let the Scripture speak to you. And be consistent about that. Good days, bad days, up days, down days gather the manna every day and that's that's a very simple statement but it, it, it resonated with me so much and I've never forgotten that and I've tried to incorporate that into my life and probably of all the things and there's been a lot of great things men of God have told me but probably as much as anything else that has kept me and made a lot of difference in my life Brother McLean telling me Gather the manna every day. Be consistent. Be faithful.
0: That was that would probably stick out. Well, it's amazing how a lot of times when the Lord, you know, has someone give you uh, advice, it's often not complicated. It's affirming the scripture. You know, you see it throughout the scripture that that is a principle. Give us this day our right. daily bread. It's one thing to pray it. It's another thing to go out and gather it. Uh, receive it and seek it and consume it so uh just kind of along that same line you know in the area of uh you know personal devotion I mean anything along that line that stands out to you that you'd like to share well going back to
1: uh, earlier experiences in our little country church there were a lot of praying people and uh, we took up prayer requests, as I'm sure you do in your services. We do at Sky to Cry Pastor. Back home in that little country church, there was a. we did things a little differently. We would receive prayer requests, and then instead of just all standing and praying a 30-second corporate prayer, when we would take prayer requests, then the, our pastor would direct us to let's kneel and spend some time praying. And so we would pray. Prayer requests, and sometimes, not all the time, maybe not even often, but a lot of times it would just break out in a prayer meeting, and we, that horses would get out of, get out of the stalls and just run. We turn into a prayer meeting, but there was a little lady. She she was very old. She's a little short lady that wasn't very tall, and she was bent over. Her name was Sister Pearl Garrison, and. Her husband was not in the church. None of her family was in the church, but she had served God very faithfully for many, many, many years. And Sister Garrison sat typically about one or two seats in front of where my grandmother and I sat. And when we would kneel and pray, well, naturally I could hear Sister Garrison's prayer. And she had a a way of praying that just arrested my attention i was always just captivated by it she she talked to god in her little quavery voice so it was as if he was sitting across from her like this and she was talking to him there was just such a feeling of 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 utter faith and intimacy with god that it was arresting to my she, one thing she prayed a lot. She had five boys, five sons, and she was really worried about those boys because none of them served God. And uh, she always prayed for them. And and sometimes she would say, "God, now I know you're going to take me home soon, and I'm I'm ready to go. I'm I'm ready to go home and rest with you." She said, "The only thing that bothers me." The only one thing I'm concerned about, Lord, is I don't have any other family left in the church, and I don't know who's going to pray for my boys when I'm gone. <laughs> I always I always heard her pray that, and there was something about that that just it's just like a uh, you know just like a rock in your shoe which you couldn't hardly get rid of. And I remember I was nine years old. And of course, I'd received the Holy Ghost when I was seven. I was nine years old, and I heard her praying that one Sunday night as we knelt to pray over prayer requests. And I was just inspired. By, I don't know if the Lord inspired me or if it was just something came up in my own heart. It was a good impulse, so it was probably God. But most of the ones that come from my own heart aren't very good. Never have been. But I remember being so touched by that that night and I made God a promise. I never told her. I wish I had it probably. But I promised the Lord. I said, I'm going to pray for her sons. Of course, they're old men. They're, they're I'm sure they're all dead now. But she's got some descendants somewhere and I still pray regularly for the descendants of, of that old praying saint. And that that prayer life, I, I wanted to be able to pray like her. Uh, I could tell she'd put in time. That wasn't she didn't just kneel and pray between the pews, in service during prayer request time. I could tell by the way she prayed that she knew God. And that that was that was that was another imprinted memory that that sticks in my
0: head. You know, uh, prayer seems to be such a difficult thing for people that are. Do believers because they haven't had those formative experiences, and a prayer seems to be uh, it's, it doesn't make sense to us. We feel you know, you might feel like, you know, what good is this doing, right? But it's amazing how the Lord, when you will begin to pray, how the Lord will show you, I hear your prayer have anything stands out in your mind recently in the past something that just was very significant you prayed it and and the Lord brought it to pass
1: oh my goodness there's all of us probably that have served the Lord for any length of time have got a long list of answered prayers Um, I remember one of the most recent things that sticks out in my mind was a situation in my family that I was concerned about and I started praying about it and God profoundly and swiftly changed that. Um, not really comfortable going into a lot of detail about it in this setting, but but trust me, it was important. And believe me when I tell you that it did a 180 and it stuck. You know, I, I've Talk to a lot of new people, trying to find their footing in serving God, and and they've mentioned what you talked about—that it's hard to to get started praying. It's hard to get that—you know—if you never get that snowball rolling downhill, it'll 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 keep growing the further it rolls. And sometimes it's just hard to get that snowball built and rolling.
0: You know, I kind of view prayer kind of like a muscle, and uh, you know when you when you when you are not in the habit of praying. I think it's possible to go long enough with not praying and you've got to rebuild that muscle.
1: It'll atrophy on
0: you. Yeah, and uh, but if you learn how to pray, there are things that that just become a part of that conversation. You know, one of the things that you know,
1: there's a lot of wonderful books written about prayer, and I've been blessed by reading some of them and a lot of teaching series on prayer and 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 probably the one that stuck out to help me this the series preaching or teaching series, the one that impacted me the most and longest lasting were the uh, tapes on prayer by Verbal Bean. That, that that was something that really touched me and got a hold of me. But, but with all the great teaching you listen to on prayer and all the wonderful books you can read about prayer, I'm really of the opinion that you can do yourself more good with 30 minutes of praying than you can in ten hours of studying the very best material that's ever been written outside of the Word of God on prayer. <clears throat> Just so, praying is what it is it? I mean, yeah. if if you can if you can get someone to establish a, a routine of even starting out with five minutes, you can get them to do that for a month or two and get locked into that. Prayer begets prayer, and the more you pray and when you pray faithfully. It'll take on a life of its own, and you will It will It will become not not so much of a discipline, as it is just something that you learn to depend on. Well, and it's it's like need. if you've
0: never had a particular particular thing, and then you have it, and you're like, you like, you want more 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 of it. I think right. one of the the misconceptions that I see is people don't understand that prayer is words. It's not just the thoughts. And I think a lot of very devout people—they are satisfied in the in in what is meditating on the Lord, but for whatever reason, they never really step forward into the habit of using words, praying in a way that they can hear themselves. Because I believe that's that's prayer is words. Prayer. Well, when Daniel was praying
1: and Gabriel finally showed up three weeks after Daniel Daniel started praying he said I am come for thy words not for thy thoughts I've come for thy words there was one of the prophets that said bring with you words take with you words Jesus told the woman of uh, the Syrophoenician woman for this saying go thy way Uh, in Song of Solomon the bridegroom said to the bride, Sweet is thy voice, thy countenance is comely." So I think it's important. And and then when you look at the, the advice of James, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's, it's hard to apply the adjective fervent to thinking and meditating.
0: I th- so that I really think, just fit. Too I think that you know there is a spiritual dynamic to prayer. That if you really start talking to the Lord about something that touches your heart, you have a burden for whether it's your children, your finances, your pain, things that affect you, and you start, you start talking about that. It's, it's going to involve your emotions, and when you start talking to the Lord and you allow your whole being to be involved in that there's going to be some heat there's going to be some some emotion in that and in that realm of praying with emotion I, there is a, a spirit of prayer and I believe it is in that realm a lot of people that have been taught that praying in spirit or speaking in tongues is not for today and many of them who do not believe in speaking in tongues have been baptized with the Holy Ghost because they began to move into that realm of the spirit of prayer And one of the purposes of receiving the Holy Ghost is sometimes we don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit maketh intercession for us with groanings that that cannot be uttered. And the Spirit prayeth for us the will of God. And I truly believe if there there was a way to just transmit a simple revelation to those that truly love Jesus, start praying out out loud. Well, I've
1: never heard anybody receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost who wasn't praising God out loud with their voice, and uh, that's simple, but it's true. I mean, you have to use you have your voice has to be engaged. God's not going to vibrate your vocal cords for you. You He'll speak through you, but you you've got to have engaged, you know, your words. When you think about it, one of the things that separates us most profoundly. All other sentient life God created. I mean, dogs can communicate. I mean, they can communicate with an expression, by whining, wagging the tail, growling, turning their hackles up. But nothing else besides us talks. That's, That's an ability that God gave us, that we're created in His image. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the Lord said, let there be light. His words created the earth. In the same way we're made in his image. We're made in his image, and one of the one of the way one of the features of of being God's image creature is that we have an ability to speak and communicate con you know abstract and passionate and emotional or and, good or and evil. precise. Right. Every gift of God can either be used or abused. And the gift of speech is is one of those things. And when you when you pray out loud, it unlocks something. It, it, it has a way of opening something. I don't exactly know how to describe it in detail. I know a few things I don't understand all that good. But praying out loud, praying with words, it, 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 it moves you into a
0: gear that you can't do praying silently. And I think so much in the kingdom, we may know it and not be able to understand it. I, I may know I flip that switch the lights come on right, but, I don't but, know. but if you ever study how electricity works uh, they, they have degrees for that <laughs> right but it requires simple faith to turn on the switch and it work in the same way simple faith opens up the possibilities of what the word of God promises us exactly right exactly right
1: I've you know, just uh, as an anecdote, I've been praying with a law. This has happened a number of times. I'll be praying with somebody that's, that wants to receive the Holy Ghost. And and maybe they're even praying quietly out loud. And I'll just tell them, you just need to shout unto God. Just shout unto God. And sometimes just the act of shouting out to God just, just locks them in and moves them puts them over the hill, and they they get the Holy Ghost.
0: You know, uh, I've noticed myself, of course, Brother Hudson, we've had with us, he's incredibly gifted at helping people receive the Spirit. And that's a biblical thing. Some people are gifted in different ways. But I notice a lot of times when people are praying for the Holy Ghost, they'll be praying out loud, and they get to feel the presence of the Lord, and they stop praying but, because they, their, their mouth is wanting to say something that their mind doesn't understand. you just encourage them just keep praising God keep talking to the Lord like like whatever's on your heart whatever's on your mind and as I I, I shared a couple of months ago there was a man that had been an atheist his whole life and he happened to come into a service felt the presence of the Lord started praying didn't know how to pray so I just had him repeat what I prayed until he started kind of got in the flow of praying out loud and he started speaking in tongues the man didn't have he didn't have any knowledge but he was responding to the atmosphere and the reality the Lord was making known to him and he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And I think just in the realm of words, uh, prayer is words. And I think sometimes, I think maybe the one of the greatest things we may, I'll say I may fail in at times, is forgetting how powerful and how miraculous simple act of prayer is anybody else with me and when we pray that it be something focused not just something we do when we're driving down the road um, something I had here uh, and, and it kind of deals with this a couple Sundays ago we had someone receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost for the first time and uh, brother uh, Hudson was praying with the lady but when all that was going on I I recognized someone behind me started in intercession you could hear that you could feel that intercessory prayer going on and uh, just over the past little bit I have just really felt in my heart that I I think sometimes people may not give themselves to intercessory prayer because it's well I just think that sometimes we may not avail ourselves you could just talk about something along that line the need to
1: well I will I want to read a couple of scriptures first it's been on my mind I looked it up here since you've been talking about the power of words in the book of Hosea chapter 14 beginning in verse 1 it said O Israel return unto the Lord thy God for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity verse 2 take with you words and turn to the Lord saying to him take away all iniquity and receive us graciously so will we render the calves of our lips Now, this was during the Old Testament old covenant law and we understand that God required animal sacrifice but Hosea is recording in chapter 14 the first couple of verses concept that that transcends that that the words can words sincerely and spoken with with heartfelt authenticity he uses the phrase the metaphor the calves of our lips so you're talking about intercession well one reason some people shrink away from really uh, getting into heavy intercessory prayer because it's not visually appealing to see somebody. They get self-conscious. They don't, they don't look or sound huh. in a way. We're, we're also conscious now of how we look because there's so much media and video and pictures. Thank God there were no video cameras when I was young and backslid. I would not like for there to be a a visual record on the internet of the way I acted. But we're all so conscious of that and and man, people double up and and groan like a they sound like a cow caught in a barbed wire fence sometimes. And uh, you know it's it's a sound that I don't that I hope never departs from Pentecost. We can't lose it but it's you know it's a beautiful thing in the spirit, but to the carnal it looks stupid, it looks foolish, but we can't really care about things like that. But I remember there was a girl that uh, years ago I was pastoring in Salina, and she was. Uh, we had a, a, a boy in our church. He had, his mother and dad had three young men. They were grown, but. You know, in the early 20s, down to 18 or 19, and all three—they were foundational people in that church. Good people, and two of the boys, the oldest and the youngest, were young ministers and faithful as a tree fork, and and just good boys. And and that middle boy, bless his heart, he might have—he was the most likable one of the three, really, personality-wise. Well, not really. He just—he definitely was, and he was a good kid. He was just a knucklehead. He 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 wasn't mean. He wasn't a bad kid. He wasn't. Uh, there was nothing. You know, he wasn't the bad boys. Just he just full of mischief. He's, he was just always getting himself in a bind somehow. When I first took that church in Salina, first time I met him, he was wearing an orange jumpsuit, and there was glass between us. Uh, and he was dressed all in orange, but and the reason he was in jail was because there was a, a go-kart dealership there in our city, and, and old Jerry had gone over. He wasn't stealing anything. He just went joyriding one night. He, he went and hot-wired one of them go-karts and took it for a good joyride, but he banged it up some. And, of course, he brought it back and parked it in the spot where he left it, but he was on candid camera, and um, so he spent a little time in the Crossbar Hotel enjoying striped sunshine. And that's the first time I met him. And he was just, he was just honory. He was just always getting himself in a bind. He loved the Lord. I, th- I knew he did. He'd come to church, but he, he wouldn't do anything that make you embarrassed or ashamed to be his mama or daddy. He was just honoring. He was just always in some kind of honorness. And, well, he finally, he finally got out of, he had a couple of situations. He finally got to come back to church a little bit. He brought a worldly girlfriend back with him. And he was coming, but he wasn't really praying through. He was just coming. Mostly because his mama wanted him to, I think, and he liked me. But this girl—this is what happened. His girlfriend, God got to dealing with her, and she got real serious about seeking God. So he was a little scared to get in her way too much because he's afraid God would judge him. He knew enough about God not to, you know, not get in the way of that. But she was her mother was a beautician, owned a beauty shop there in town, and of course you can understand how that you know, her mother probably felt about Pentecostal people. Uh, she thought I was a Jim Jones. Nice enough lady, but... Anyway, this girl was seeking the Holy Ghost and went on months and months and months, and I'm telling you, she was serious about seeking the Holy Ghost. She was so serious about seeking the Holy Ghost that sometimes my wife and me would be the only ones left praying for everybody else had already gone home, and she was still at it. I mean, she, you know, the, the Bible said the devil... Or wear out the saints of the Most High. I'm telling you, them chronic seekers can do it too. And, uh, oh she, she, I, I was just praying, and, and, and we hadn't been up there all that long, and there was not a, that, that church was not a, a church that was given the intercessory prayer. They just, they were, they were pretty tight and hadn't really been loosed in that department or taught much about that or had led much into that. I'd never heard anybody really get down and travail out of that congregation, and we hadn't been there too terribly long. And I was praying, God, how are we going to get real deep prayer started in this church? And, and of course, during this same time, this girl was seeking the Holy Ghost, and we she couldn't break through. And, and I'm talking about serious about it. She is serious about it. And she, she had embraced Pentecostal standards. We'd baptized her in Jesus' name. She was, she wanted the Holy Ghost, but for some reason, she was just stuck one night we were having church on a Sunday night and the Lord showed me a vision. I was praying. It kind of broke out in worship and prayer and ministry. I was down praying and the Lord showed me a vision of my church secretary in a posture in the floor of deep travail. Well, let me tell you something. This is not being broadcast, is it? It is. Okay. Needed to know that. Uh she was one of the finest ladies, her and her husband, some of the greatest people I've ever pastored, faithful as a clock. I mean, you could mark it on the calendar what they were going to do and when they were going to do it. They're good people. But she was not a demonstrative person. She was very tall, and uh, in fact, she had a, a genetic disorder that, that made her, you know, they're, they're very tall, and she was considerable taller than her husband even good lady, and, and she fixed her hair and looked like, did y'all ever see that uh, that painting, that famous painting, American Gothic, you know there the old sour faced man with the pitchfork and his wife that has her hair, you know I mean my church secretary, wonderful lady, but she looked like that woman, and fixed her hair exactly like that and uh, she was kind of a somber person and Not the one I would have thought would have led us into intercessory prayer in that congregation. I mean, she just wasn't that kind. She prayed, but her prayer was never, you know, greatly demonstrative or loud or expressive. Very disciplined person. Search secretary, bean counter, that kind of lady. But God showed me a vision of that. And I got up and I said, what about that? The Holy Ghost kept dealing with me. And I thought, well, how's that gonna happen? And I felt the Lord impressed me. Bring her up and lay hands on her. Well, I didn't I'd never seen this, didn't really have a scripture for it, but I felt led of the Lord. So I stopped the church, I said, Listen, I said, We I feel impressed to do something. God showed me a vision of this good sister in a posture of deep intercessory prayer. And I said, I want her to come up and sit on the altar. And I said, Is anybody else, would you like for God to use you in the intercession? And there were seven people came, four women, I think, and three men, if my memory serves me correctly. And I said, now, I don't, I don't really know. We're going to pray, and I'm going to anoint them with oil and lay hands on them. We're just going to see what happens. And, and I went to her first because she's the one God showed me and these other six were sitting strung out on the altar. I got the oil bottle, and I anointed that big tall lady, and I'm telling you, and I I think everybody was shocked. I was more shocked than anybody. The minute I swiped my finger across her forehead, this very somber, very reserved, and there was no music playing. I mean, there there was no atmosphere. You know, it wasn't hyped up. I mean, it was, you know, just a quiet service. As soon as I touched her forehead, Wham! She, the Holy Ghost hit her and she fell in the floor. And you talk about groanings that cannot be uttered. I mean, she was groaning and travailing and wailing in prayer. Totally out of character for her. Well, the atmosphere came up a little then because everybody said, oh, there must be something going on here. And I'm telling you, it was strange. I noticed that every one of those four women that I laid hands on, that happened to every one of them. They did the exact same thing but when I got down to the men's side of the altar and I laid hands on them, every one of those men, instead of falling on the floor, agonizing and travail like those ladies were doing, they leaped to their feet and began to pray authoritatively in the spirit like I'd never heard any of them pray, as like like spiritual warfare, authoritatively. And while that travail was going on, this young lady, I'm not even thinking about her, She's sitting two-thirds of the way toward the back like she always does. She stood up and began to speak in tongues. The Holy Ghost filled her. So, and then I thought about the scripture when Zion travails, sons and daughters will be born into the kingdom. And from that moment on, the seeds of travailing and intercession were planted in that church, and we did our best to. Fertilize it and water it, and and that was a great praying church. You know, it became a very strong praying church. But that was an unusual, never done that again. Uh, never seen it done or heard it done again. Never felt like doing it again. But uh, it it was profound to me mm-hmm. at that moment because when that during this when that travail was right at its peak, mm-hmm. that's when Rachel stood up. Lifted her hands. Nobody praying for, it, and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Spoke fluently and beautifully in tongues. There was no strain. There was no. Mm.
0: There was no. You know, it was just a natural thing. That's beautiful. Well, we have reached the end of our time. But I do believe the Lord. Uh, I'm a, I'm convinced, and this is just my opinion. But I don't believe anybody gets saved. If somebody's not praying for them I really believe prayer is the mechanism that the Lord uses to draw people into the kingdom and I encourage us all to recommit ourselves to that let's pray we'll have we'll, we'll wait till uh, 11 to start and uh, we'll start our worship service then father we thank you today for these words Lord these words of wisdom these words of faith These words of testimony we ask you, Lord God, to touch our hearts. Lord, we pray that, that, Lord, you would help us, Lord, to give ourselves to, to your word, to your prayer, to, to intercession. And everybody said in Jesus' name.